listening to the Food Talk Show. Hi there, my name is Sue Nelson and for the next 30 minutes or so we're going to be talking about all things food, but not drink today, just food. I'm joined by my fellow presenter Holly Shackleton. Hi Holly. Hello. I'm talking to you first because Ollie Lloyd is here, but he's got, oh, he's got a real I don't know, smug smile on his face. I don't know why. Why you are you, you, why are you looking at me like that? It's just like, it worries me because like, like you're being mischievous and you're, <laughs> yeah, and you're like, I don't know, it looks yeah, like you're going to you. be naughty all the way through. Oh, come on, it's, you know. Mm. So, um, Ollie Lloyd uh, of Great British Chefs. Um, so, our guests today are Cecily Mills of Coconuts Naturally. Hi, Cecily. Hi. Hi. Uh, you've very kindly brought in lots of ice cream. I have. Mm. Yeah to taste that and uh, we've got another ollie so this is not confusing at all we've got ollie Hopefully. ollie and holly uh short uh, ollie shorts of seed and bean chocolate thank you for have you me. brought chocolate with you i have <gasps> do you know this, this is why i'm feeling mischievous like you know the fact is is that it's really fun what we do no you know, we all work we work in the world of food yeah and food is great yeah and we get lovely guests <laughs> on board who bring on amazing mm. food and how can we complain? Uh, um, um, if we were being miserable, we should really just. I mean, you go could home. be a politician right now, couldn't you? That'd be great. Yeah, thanks. Let's move swiftly on. <laughs> yeah, we will move swiftly on. So, um, Holly, you, you, your magazine, Speciality Food Magazine, is very, very well known. Um, it's read by people who own farm shops and delis and sort of independent re- retailers, but also um, a lot of buyers as well because mm. they like to see what the latest products are. How's chocolate doing in your world? your client's world it's doing really well and i think um people are looking for something new they're looking for new flavors and therefore um obviously independent retailers are looking to cater for those trends as well so i think it's a really exciting time for for indies so do you think the the days of twix mars kit kat milky way you know when you go into, you know when you go into sort of Holly hasn't heard of those fashion generation. I'm, I'm sorry. So only you and I have <laughs> but, heard of those. But every chocolates. garage and every every sort of corner <laughs> shop had those, and and um, it seems to be a bit old fashioned now, and, and also yeah. too sweet for me. I think, yeah. and and the sugar content is a is is a big issue. I think. Yeah, definitely. I think um, people's taste buds maybe seem to be evolving a bit, and they're they're accepting things which aren't as sugary. Um, they're appreciating things that are maybe using alternatives to conventional sugar and, you know, additives and all of that kind of thing. Um, yeah, there's lots of innovation in the chocolate market. Mm. Are, you, are you finding that in your research, Holly? Totally. I mean, I think, you know, what is interesting about the world of chocolate is it is one of those worlds that, you know, I suppose has totally changed in the last um, 10 years, I would say. You know, if you go back to Green and Blacks and you look at where chocolate was before Green and Blacks, it was really kind of boring and monotonous. And suddenly it has totally exploded. I mean, you know, and actually I'd say it's fragmented almost, enormously, hasn't it? Absolutely. And and there are hundreds of brands out there and there are hundreds of different offerings. And actually what's fun is that people kind of explore. I mean, I get this, um, I've talked about this before, but I get this amazing box that arrives every month from Cocoa Runners. And Cocoa Runners deliver four different bars of chocolate every month. And so I have like a pile of crazy chocolates and, you know, we have little <laughs> descriptions of what they are. And you kind of find out about someone who's produced chocolates. I don't understand why you're not 25 stone. 
This is what's great about radio is no one knows. I might be. <laughs> That's true. I might be 35 stone. You know, and I'm uh, winched in here every day. Yeah. Um, but, it, but it's about it's about quality with that, isn't it? And, and that's the point, which is actually having a single block, you know, at the end of an evening, actually is really nice and it gives you an amazing taste hit. And, you know, I think there's there's just been a really interesting proliferation mm. of different brands. And Holly, are you finding that's going through to things like ice cream? Uh, again, when I was a child, it was like Wolsey's. Wolsey's ice cream made from pig fat. Really, that was that was that was the brand. Yeah, it's um, it's another area of kind of massive innovation, and again, people looking for something which um, is, I don't know, just a very kind of simple ingredients list, something that people can trust. Um, innovative flavours. Um, yeah, lots going on there as well. So Cecily, you've got uh, you've got coconuts naturally, mm-hmm. um, and yours is vegan ice cream. Exactly. Yeah, completely vegan, completely organic. So presumably, if you're vegan, there are certain things that you really probably crave. Cheese being one of them, and ice cream might be another. <laughs> well, it was um, a vegan diet that prompted me to create the ice cream in the first place because, yeah, I'd missed ice cream. This was a few years ago now, like five years ago or something. So yeah, that it was the missing of eating luxurious, quick, thick, creamy ice cream that, that, that prompted me to on this journey. And the problem, of course, with doing vegan stuff is, is you've got to try and recreate the taste. But if you've got ice cream, for example, you've still got to have that lovely mouthfeel exactly. and consistency yeah. and the smell and the look of it. So you've got to mm-hmm. get all of those things right, not just the taste. Mm-hmm. How long did it take you? And you know, what is in your ice cream as a basis? I mean, I think the name probably gives it away a bit. Um, that... that you know, that's how you started on that journey. Yeah, well, the name does give it away. It's coconut based, so we use um, we use coconut cream and we use unrefined coconut sugar in all of them, and then we've got we use all natural ingredients after that. So we have no synthetic stabilizers. We use locust bean gum and guar gum, both organic, um, and then we use natural ingredients. So we use coconut flakes in the coconut one. We use raw cacao in the chocolate one. We caramelize the coconut sugar for the caramel one, and we pour it in. Um, so we keep it as simple as possible and as natural as possible, and that's uh, really important to us. It's it's a proper ice cream, like it's a proper food. Um, yes, it's got sugar in it, it's got coconut sugar in it, um, but we've worked really hard to replicate dairy ice cream and yeah. the eating enjoyment. So yet, as you say, the mouthfeel, the texture, the creaminess, that's been our real kind of mission to this point to get to market and to get a product that we're really proud of. I mean, it's one of the things that's interesting, isn't it, about ice cream is that actually it is one of the sort of, I'm going to call it the gourmet pre-prepared food areas that actually not that many people make at home. Mm-hmm. And, you know, while I mean, okay, I have an ice cream maker and I do make ice cream every now and then, um, I think that it is one of the... You've got an everything maker, though, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I love ice cream and I, and I love the whole sort of experience of going to places like Jalupo and are Delicious and some of those really top ice cream joints in London and trying all the new flavours and all the new stuff. But it's still one of those ones where our fridge has a range of different ice creams. And actually, mm-hmm. in the world of... that's kind of it, It's a rare category in the world of prepared food that actually there are people who are paying a lot of money for for this kind yeah. of stuff. And what do you spend what what's the cost for a tub generally? On a cardo we're five twenty nine. Okay. Yeah. Five twenty nine. So I'm gonna ask Ollie, because Ollie's obviously um our lovely proprietor of seed and bean chocolate. And Ollie, I've just given you the um cacao vegan ice cream. You've had a taste. You're our expert here. What what, what do you think of that as a chocolatey sort of ice cream? I mean You've got to be I, honest. I, I, I know you're I, sitting I, next to Cecily. I might hit you I, if you I, say I, the wrong thing. I'm but. amazed by the texture because it does 
it's completely I wouldn't have a clue. I would mm -hmm. just think that it's a flavor of chocolate and coconut ice cream. That's if I was to, if someone was to say, you know, blindfolded, that that's what it is to me and and quite amazed that the that it's vegan. And but but that's the point, isn't it, Ollie, that that what we're trying to do with these now is you used to try and have an offer of vegan ice cream or gluten-free bread or whatever and you just had to put up with whatever it was now people are really getting so refined that that it's actually hard to tell the difference and therefore why would you not have a vegan ice cream i mean i you know i suppose my my perspective on i'm not a vegan um you know i don't i don't subscribe personally to a just diet that is about reducing you know mm -hmm. significant amounts of milk it's not it's not you know something that i'm doing um, but I think for me, what's important, therefore, is that the ice cream stands on its own two feet. It's, exactly. It's, it's got. It's, you know, for me, of course, I will yeah. buy it if it's good. Yeah. And you know, because I'm not following. A lot of people mm. do follow a vegan diet, mm. and people are trying to eat more vegan food. But you know, you're right. I think there's a, there's a, there's a creaminess to that. I think you can tell that it's not milk based. I think actually, there's still a there's, there's a, a smoothness that you would get. I think in a. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it's it, it's it's really, really, really close. But I think you can still just taste the fact that it's there's something that isn't it isn't dairy. Okay, taste mm -hmm. the caramel one and see if you still think. I that. just had a bit of the car uh, the the creamy coconut yeah creamy one. coconut. I thought again, it's quite remarkable because it, it's it's so I I'm also not a vegan, um, and when I try um, vegan foods, I, I think usually you can. You can tell it's for, for as I said, it's for mm -hmm. me. It's just about that texture and about the creaminess that I, I I'm quite surprised about. The coconut caramel one's nice. Yeah, I like that. The best. That's even smoother. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm. So, so you had all this um, idea, Cecily, about about vegan ice cream. To be fair, there are quite a lot of vegan ice creams out there. Yep. Um, and then you went on Dragon's Den. I did. Why did you do yeah. that? Well, do you know what we. I mean, any food business that takes cash to grow. And we, we, I knew that we needed investment. We were looking for investment. It was actually around about this time last year that we were really like, yeah, we need investment. How are we going to do this? Now, I'm based in Cornwall and I've got young children and various factors meant that I was not necessarily in the world of networking to meet investors in the city. Um, and I knew I had to do something kind of radical to just get ourselves out there. And I thought, well... Why not? I put myself up for it. A bit stressful, though. Why not? Yeah, it was a bit stressful, but it was such an amazing experience. I would do it all again um, because it was high risk, yes, but I I tried to manage all the potential risks that I could see, um, and it went really well for me. And I how, how much say, were you asking for? We I asked for seventy five thousand, yeah, for twenty percent, and I was offered by well, I was offered by Tej. Navani um, and Jenny Campbell, and I accepted Jenny Campbell at thirty percent. Thirty percent, seventy-five thousand. So, you, 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 you know, you see all the television thing, and, and everybody goes, "Oh, wow, well done! You've got seventy-five grand off one of these, um, you know, sort of business angels and Dragons Den." Well, what then happens afterwards? Do, do they then do some sort of due diligence and look at your exactly. books and, and actually see whether you were just lying or whether it's true <laughs> or, or, or exactly well, what happens afterwards? To a point, um, the BBC do. There was months of due diligence beforehand, so okay. everything is checked and checked and checked by the BBC before you go on air and all your claims and all your pitch, everything is checked and verified before you go on. But then after the show, if you get an offer, their investment team also do their own checks, yeah. understandably. So yeah, immediately afterwards, pretty much the day afterwards, I was in touch with her investment director and things were moving forward. And yeah, we were going from there, really. But yeah. you didn't take it? No, 
I didn't. In the end, well, well I tell you what, um, I was so grateful to receive the offer, but actually about a week or two later, we received li- news of a new listing with one of the major supermarkets that we've got com- We've got launching um, in a couple of months' time in March. Um, and it changed a lot of things for us and it changed a lot of the goalposts. And so it was really hard to turn her down, but it suddenly just didn't wasn't the right thing for the company at the time. So we had to, with the greatest respect, turn her down. Well, they were thrilled about that, weren't they? <laughs> yeah, no, she's been nothing. She's been nothing but positive about oh, it. Yeah. So yeah, it but was what all about, done. A lot of people say they go on things like Dragon's Den or some of these other sort of incubator things, not just for the money, but to actually try and and, and get that input, you know, and experience mm, mm. from somebody, and and also their connections. Yeah, um, you know, surely that's one of the reasons for going on there. Yeah, absolutely. And again, it's a high risk game because you put yourself in front of three million people, and if you bomb, then it's not necessarily good. You so, are going to be teased so, for an awful yeah, long time, yeah. aren't? <laughs> exactly. So, but you're right. the The halo effect of Dragon Sen has been absolutely fantastic. So, um, the marketing, the exposure, like I say, three million people on on it went out to on the night, is something that a company like ours can't pay for, you know. So, and then yeah, just the we were the trending search on Ocado for that for that month. Our sales increased massively, and we've seen a you know a permanent increase. So it, it's it's been great for the company and it's got got us and you still didn't have to give any equity away so that's not bad is it yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, very good so so now you're where you're on Ocado and you're all sorts of other places yep we're on Ocado um, across the UK we are in independent stores up and down the country via our distributors um, and we are launching with a one of the big four in March uh, all the, more details TBC but that's coming up so wow. we've been beavering away behind the scenes getting ready for that that's very good. Now, um, uh, M&S. Yes. Um, you used to work uh, M&S as a store manager. I was, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. M&S are in a bit of trouble, really, are they, Ollie? Um, <coughs> I think you, they're They've in, got their um, food and they've got their, their sort of fashion side, but if we just take their food side... I think the real difficulty about M&S is that as a, as a lunch destination, mm-hmm. they're really quite strong. You know, in the sense that they're often cheaper than Pret-a-Manger. You know, and they're very good at being like a, I'm in an airport, I'm in a sort of moment, I want mm. that sort of stuff. And I think they absolutely, they've done a great job actually in being in present in those spaces. But I just don't understand what their food offering is for take-home. And I think where they find themselves really kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place is that they do a good job with an older consumer, um, I think, who wants that kind of that pre-prepared meal, really simple stuff. And that's a big market, mm. but it's also a really complicated market. And you know, if that's all they are there for, it doesn't add up. Because actually, the offering that Sainsbury's and Waitrose and Tesco's all have for that market as well is good, and everything's cheaper, and you can get your washing powder, and and and, and they've got better online services. I mean, I think they're in a. I really don't know where the future for them lies. Mm. Um, I mean, I've seen the data from our from our research around you know who's shopping there, and people will cherry pick. Mm. But it's just, it doesn't add up for me as a retailer. Holly, obviously that's your world, the sort of retail world. Mm. What, what's your um, feelings about M&S um, as, a, as a food? I mean, they are very prevalent now in service stations, mm. you know, and which is what Ollie's saying. It's the, I need to grab this food on the go and actually I know the quality's okay. Yeah. Um, the quality's good. Quality's good. Yeah, yeah actually, yeah. sorry, not the quality's okay, the quality's good, you're right. Um, but but I, I struggle to see what it 
and they're in garages now and things like that, aren't they? But but mm. it's the but they're really useful for that. I oh, think. they're great. Yeah. You know, Actually, I think they're great. You're driving back into into town. You've yeah. been away on a weekend. You're like, okay, I've got no milk, got nothing for dinner. Actually. And I want a sandwich. Mm. Yeah, it's no, ideal. You know, yeah. It's ideal. Yeah. It's but on it, the BP station. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but mm. it, it is the it's the you know I want this for dinner in a pre-packaged mm. microwave thing. That that's the bit I don't get. Yeah, I think they just base they need to figure out what direction they're going to go in, and that's what they do really well. I mean, they're I'm a fan of their sandwich selection. Um, I can't say that I ever buy the ready meals, but I know that they do have a good offering. Um, but I have one in my town centre. Every now and then I go there, you know, in lieu of the supermarket. Um, but there's, I can never, It's like Ollie says, you can never get everything that you need from there. And I think if you're going to position your business as a place where people can pick up ingredients you need to be able to supply everything that people will need to put together mm. a meal, I think. Mm. But and the, re- the retail sorry. landscape has changed dramatically. Oh. I mean, when you think about the performance of Aldi and Lidl last year, mm. and, you know, they are, you know, Tesco's back on the you know, resurgence. You know, the fact is that consumers are spoiled for choice. Mm. And the reality is, is that people are shopping around. And one, you know, particularly at the high end of the market, food is pleasure. So you don't, you know, you you you, you pick and mix. You go mm-hmm. to Aldi and Little to pick up something funky. You go to a deli. You go to Tesco's. You go to Sainsbury's. You might grab it. It's something that's good at M&S. But, you know, you are... And, and Cecily, when you were a store manager, for me, it was easy then. It was like, well, I know Marks and Spencer's does good underwear and does this and there's a certain quality and the yeah. service will be nice. And and But, but I think that, they're not, that their position isn't clear anymore, is it? Yeah. They used to stand out for that and now they sort of don't. You're right. Um, I think... I think the differential, because it's, it's funny what you, what you said, Holly, is that you if they're going to be a speciality food hall, um, as opposed to a supermarket, um, they need to be able, people need to be able to go in and find all of those speciality ingredients that they really want. And I think this was the conversation when I was there as well. And absolutely, they do fantastic. The things that they're known for their their bras and you know their lasagnas they do very very well bras and lasagnas there but, you have it in a nutshell <laughs> M&S but it is the that that's the older customer and that's their real core customer so it is about how are they going to attract um, new customers and gain their loyal following and be be able to provide what those customers want because as you say people nowadays do go to Aldi for certain things and they go to their corner deli for other things or they go to their local butcher for but other things. They seem to be in the middle of neither of those. Yes, uh, yeah. Which is a very difficult place which to is a, Yeah, it is. And But their product inhabit. is fantastic and their quality <laughs> yeah. is great and they and they, they really um, care about their product and their sourcing <laughs> and, and they really do. And I think, and they were a great company to work for. But um, you're right, it's, it's tough. They need to get the younger generation, the next generation, you know, younger than... But when than Stuart Rose took over, and I'm really, really not a fan of his at all, uh, when he took over, he 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 made it his his sort of, you know, absolute strategy is that we will get a younger client base and we'll do this and we'll do that. The the outturn of his his sort of residency there was that actually the opposite happened. Yeah. Um, and some kindlier commentators said it was down to strategic missteps but but actually there hasn't been a clear direction has there no that doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like but it's extremely hard i mean the problem is they are you know the fact is they are not they've got this massive base of stores they've got huge amounts of space in them they're trying to do Mm -hmm. two categories that are completely unrelated Mm -hmm. you know in terms of clothes and you know food their clothes offering they're competing with some seriously agile businesses Mm. that get consumers Mm -hmm. and are leveraging global scale and, you know, just have transformed the high street. Mm -hmm. And and, and they're they're specialists in neither. Mm. 
Yeah, that's well, true. I, I don't hold out much hope for them, frankly. No, um, I was just going to say, in terms of um, attracting a younger consumer, um, I think something that they haven't been great at is innovation. Um, they recently launched the plant kitchen range and they've misfired with that because of the communication on the packaging. And it's mm. just if you're going to aim for something, if you're going to take your business in a new direction, attract a new consumer, just do it properly. They just feel quite timid, though. That that's, It feels like they're worried about the next step, Was actually they've just got to be incredibly bold and brave. Mm. But that's what was interesting. We had last year, I think it was last year, we had... Um, uh, Neil Nugent on from Iceland, mm. who was, you know, I mean, really impressive story. Oh, you know, clearly, so. you know, they're they're breaking rules. You know, when he came on, they just launched the kind of palm, um, palm oil oil yep. story. You know, they're being really bold and disruptive in a category that you should say is a complete nightmare, frozen mm. food. But they're really, you know, they're they're taking big bold steps, and you know, they're winning. I think yeah. with, mm. with Martin's, I think they're standing a little bit still and. I I go I shop there for fruit and sometimes a little bit of an indulgent snacking, mm. um, and that's about. But they're it. just they're reacting mm. as opposed to leading, I think, and that's. And I think yeah, when you stand still, and you know, in the businesses that we're in, um, which is food, if you stand still, someone's going to overtake you, um, and at the moment that's probably what's going on with with M and S. But they they're a household name, and I think that as long as they can make sure that they're they're doing the right things going forwards now, that there'll be a place for them. But so is yeah. Kodak. I know, and I, I really don't think they're going to survive. I don't think the clothing side will survive. <clears throat> maybe and, not and I the think clothing. Maybe they'll, they, they, might, they might sell off the, the um, food side, but I just can't see them surviving mm. in five years' time, I would say. We've go. got a really big Forecast. one near us, and it's, it's closing down. They've just announced. It's Are a they? huge store, and it's been there for decades. In which town? This is in Ashford in Kent. Oh, Yes. Just that Ash- it down. Yeah, that Ashford store is a huge store, isn't it? Mm. And I think they've closed the top two floors for quite a few years anyway. Yeah. On that, because 46, there's just so much space. 46 staff coming. Yeah. 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 So it's it's, it's yeah. really sad to watch. Mm. We'll move on let's, from that. Let's go positive and let's yeah, talk Yes, let's chocolate. move on from that. We're going to do that. <laughs> Everyone 2019. Loves chocolate. So, Ollie, chocolate. Seed and bean chocolate. There must be thousands of, of chocolate brands at the moment. Your one is quite familiar to me. The branding is, is quite familiar. And I also think with you, what you've done is you've got literally 22 different flavours and, and you've got a vegan range as well. You've got dark chocolate, white chocolate, you know, pure cacao. Um, was that your strategy from the start, just to have an amazing selection of, of, of you know, different types of products under the brand or, or, or did you start off with one? Um, no, we, we what we wanted to do is we wanted to kind of innovate with the chocolate um, world, use um, ingredients that people never really associated with chocolate. Mm. Chocolate's indulgent and it's kind of, well, I'll go for a milk chocolate, I'll go for a dark chocolate, different percentages, and I might add in a hazelnut, I might add in an espresso, and that's really where it, where it stopped. And we, we saw that there was this opportunity to really come out with really wacky and inventive flavours and the consumers at the moment, you know, they're, they're enjoying them. And that's that's the whole point of food. It's about trying new things. Um, we have 22 flavours, probably a little too much. Um, but for us, it's, it's really important to continue to bring out new flavours um, that people have never heard of when it comes to chocolate. So you bought me very kindly five bars here. Yes. Uh, and I've got us. 
<laughs> you bought, no, bought, bought, bought me um, five bars here. I've got lemon and cardamom. Yep. Uh, Cornish sea salt and lime. That's my absolute favourite, but okay. I have a sweet tooth, so I go for the milk chocolate. Okay. Sicilian hazelnut and almond, sweet orange and thyme, sounds very interesting, and coconut and raspberry. So that's quite good, isn't it? All different Nice ones. selection. And uh, we've got ranging from 37% cacao, because you've got a sort of rich milk chocolate one there, all the way up to... There should 66%. be there's sixty six there, but yeah. we go all the way up to a hundred percent. We also have some seventy two percent as well, seventy percent. But really, it's it's all about allowing that consumer to buy into something that they they have a bit of an option because some people say seventy percent is just too high, so, so therefore you move to sixty six percent or you move to a fifty eight percent. Everyone has different taste buds, um, and and everyone wants to be able to to try it. So as long as we can broaden the horizons when it comes to um, the percentages, um, then hopefully we can tap into a, a bigger market. So, Ollie, while you're talking, everybody's stolen them in front of me. <laughs> that's it's, that's, uh, that's how, hopefully how it should be. Now, now, that's interesting because each one of you is actually looking at the packet because it's intriguing. The, the, the packaging is intriguing. It makes you want to read about well, it. I, I was looking for the cocoa content of, of oh. what, to, uh, to see what level the one I was picking up was. It's there. Look, you know what I saw? It's at the front. No, I need new glasses. It's called getting <laughs> it's old. It's right in the front, it's in front old. of you. <laughs> and you need like a torch light. So should we have a little try Definitely. of each, um, each one? I mean, what's interesting so, is that I think, you know, we've had other chocolate brands on this show before, notably the, the, the great Willy um, of, of, of Willy's cacao. And I think what's interesting actually is that it seems that you're, I mean, maybe, maybe it's just what you've brought here today, is that you're focusing on maybe the lower... Um, cocoa content area because I think that the innovation has generally been in more of the kind of like mm. the sort of mm. 60 to 100%. That's, I mean, that's where I sort of feel Willy focuses. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you seem, which which is, I have to say, is the gourmet market, right? It's the super, but actually, you know, I But think, you're right. People aren't but innovating, they aren't innovating in, the in, the, in the milkier area. Side. Mm. Is that a strategy or is that just what you've brought today? I, ju- I actually have, I've got, there's lots more in my bag. It was going into my bag. Holly, and, and get his bag. <laughs> uh, it's it's outside. Um, no, but as I said, we, we go all the way up to uh, to 100%. Um, and it is about, uh, for, for us, we do find that the higher the percentage, um, the, the better the sales because people are wanting um, that high percentage um, cacao in the, in, in the, in the chocolate. Um, but, it's also about making sure that you are having different levels just to accommodate for different people's um, taste buds. Cecily, you had a, you're nodding away there. That coconut and raspberry one is amazing. Obviously, she's a coconut aficionado, <laughs> yeah. as we know. That's, That's always a good it's thing. absolutely amazing. Always a good thing. That is just absolutely delicious. And are all of your bars vegan? No. So we obviously have the milk but chocolate, white are. chocolate, um, but we have 16 vegan um, chocolate bars. But ultimately, when it comes to dark chocolate, it doesn't matter who you are, it should be vegan. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this is where I think in, in the today's society, it's, oh, your, your dark chocolate's vegan. Well, our dark chocolate should be vegan. Why are you putting... Because naturally it's vegan. Yeah, milk powder in there. I, I, I don't know why some of the big boys do it. Um, but for us, it's an area that we can tap into because they are doing it. So Just to cut down on the cost of ingredients, I would imagine. Mm. Um, and where are you actually selling? Are you in the independent sector? Because it looks very much... If I was owned a deli or a farm shop, I'd very much have these because they're bright and they're fun and they'd stand out. Yeah, and I think also the messaging on the packaging is perfect as well because you've got the provenance there. It's talking about Cornish sea salt and Sicilian hazelnuts and 
handmade in England is kind of right at the top of the packaging and so it's got it's kind of ticking all the boxes I think for independence and obviously really tasty as well mm. now you're in um Sorry about this. I'm just working my way through all the different different bars here. Um, so you're in Whole Foods Market, which which you probably would expect, and, and Planet Organic, but you've managed to get into uh, John Lewis and W. H. Smith. I think one of your strong areas where you've which has helped you become so successful is you've got a very strong online presence. Yeah. Was that was that something from the beginning that 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 you think? No, I, I don't think. So. I I think ultimately online has just become more and more important. Mm. Um, and it's also the best way to showcase your brand. Um, we can't put, you can see on the back of the pack, there's a hell of a lot of information. You can't put it all on there. So the best way to do that is is via online. And that's, for us, it's really important. You know, we are very ethical in what we do. So, you know, it's it's sometimes quite hard to put that across on the pack. We're organic, we're fair trade, we're vegan on our dark chocolates, as we've mentioned, but also we have um, a foil that is um, made from eucalyptus wood pulp, so it's completely compostable. Um, and there, I, d- I don't think there's many, if at all, um, other chocolate brands that are are ticking that box. So at the moment, it's great for us because we're riding the wave of this zero waste, plastic free um, movement that is coming <coughs> through. But it's actually quite hard to put that on pack. So the best way to do it. Online. So you're using social media to tell stories. Really. Yeah, and I think it's it's really important. And you know, the the younger generation, I'm, I feel like I'm actually not on Instagram really. Um, but the younger generation, they 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 get involved and they talk to us through Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, and you know, it's always great to get a message um, from someone that says, "I loved your chocolate." But I also love the fact that you had a compostable foil. And for us, that's really, really important. Mm-hmm. Yes, we taste great, but we're making sure that we're ticking um, what people are wanting um, from today's um, trends. Mm. Which is great. I mean, I think, you know, this is, this is in some ways the, you know, the reality of, of the world of food nowadays is great taste. You know, you aren't, you know, if you haven't got that, you aren't even in the ballpark. So the question actually is, what else are you bring into the party? Absolutely, because you know the reality is there are lots of great tasting ice creams. There are a lot great, great lots of great tasting chocolates. But what's your, what's the brand philosophy? What is it you're trying to do? What is it you stand for? That's actually the stuff that increasingly people talk about. Yeah, and don't you think that's what builds loyalty though? Like I really like this chocolate. That's great. I'll have some more. Oh, I'll have some more. And then a few weeks later, I might actually check it out and then go, oh, I didn't realise that. That's great. Now I've got, you know, it even makes me feel even better, the fact that I'm choosing this as my brand because I'm getting to learn about the story. I think it's really important. And I think Mm. one of the things that, you know, it is our ethos and we're making sure that we're ethical. My God, does it have its complications? Because if we want to launch a new range, if we want to launch a new product, everything has to fall in line and we're organic. So sometimes Mm -hmm. to find an organic caramel is yeah. exceptionally hard. We have the same the same things with ours as well. And, and so you can it, you can have all your <laughs> or, 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 you <laughs> know all the sort of ethical and moral you know sort of strategies that you want but actually carrying that through is what you're saying can be incredibly difficult. It's a mm-hmm. it's a definite barrier um but you can't move away from it because if you start moving away from it you're telling your customer that actually yeah. we're not quite what we're talking about. So for us, you know, it's got right, to be authentic and honest. And yeah, for, for me right now, you know, I'm looking at MPD, and I have to make sure that packaging falls in line with what we're doing. Mm. And it's so hard, and the costs go sky high. And sometimes the consumer, they, they'll get it, um, but sometimes they'll say, "Actually, 
I don't want to spend X amount more. I'd rather go for something else. <coughs> and it's, it's tricky, but for us... Um, as a brand and what we bring to the table it is so so important Stay not true. to move away. But the only tr I think the, the only challenge I would have to that is making sure that that actually you're picking the right titles and the right things to go after because actually organic is not a major driver of purchase. Yeah. And actually if you look at it people are more concerned about 100% natural kind of and I'm I'm can you, I'm not I'm not fair trade but but that you're doing the right thing. And I think there, is a, there, are, there are differences in that because we've spoken to a lot of suppliers mm. and a lot of people who will say, look, I don't do organic, I don't do fur trade because mm. actually in our category, it's very, very complicated. So there are, you know, and actually, so we've done this, which actually ticks all the boxes, but does it slightly differently. And there's always that complexity. There sure. is, yeah. I think we have that in our category quite a lot <clears> because um, there aren't that many organic ice creams around anyway because um, a lot of the stabilizers that most ice creams use won't, won't be allowed to be organic so um but and you're right it's not necessarily the biggest driver of purchasing but then i think coming back to a small brand like ours and i don't know if you agree ollie but the organic certificate and certification is a real credibility and a signifier it's like a um it's a it's supportive like a measure yeah in, the, a support, in that it's a flag to show that you're doing these exactly, other things as well exactly and it lends uh, uh the organic logo and the, the word on the packaging signifies the naturalness of the product and it signifies for a brand like ours an element of credibility and that there's some trust there yeah. and i think with, you with know organic it's it's about that that quality as well yeah. um and the ingredients and um, so it is it is important i think that organic has become a word that people i think they they expect from a good quality um product um but it is, you know, it is sometimes a little bit complicated, especially when other brands, green and black, are bringing in their own sort of fair trade quality um, and giving them giving it a, a name um, that people aren't really associating with. Um, so it's very important for us to make sure that we're sticking with, you know, third party, um, mm. which is fair trade um, and sort association, rather than saying, well, actually, we're making sure that we're 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 making the giving the farmers. Um, a fair price, but we're giving our our certification ourselves. I think it can be very, very confusing. So you've got almost mm -hmm. an external auditor, yeah. to speak. And, and that's interesting stuff, isn't it? Because actually, you know, the big boys do end up often moving away from these bodies and for, for quite clear reasons. Um, some of them, because actually they want to do things, you know, I know certain tea growers who, do, who don't go down the fair trade and don't go down... Um, the organic line because actually they think it actually hampers quality of tea and actually they want to do things differently and they're they're breaking rules. So I think it's one of those ones where you well, you know the brand the in some ways my my challenge in some ways on the stuff is the brand has to have a tone of voice. It can't just depend upon third parties. It, you know you can use mm -hmm. them. But in the end, like, you know, I think you know, one of the things we saw last year was Red Tractor, Red Tractor which was destroyed. Disaster, yeah. And so, you know, in some ways, like organic, you know, this, I mean, it's, it's unlikely. But, you know, the fact is that all of these things are, are borrowed equity. And one just has to be careful, I think, about owned equity versus borrowed equity and, and mm. how you mm. build that. Yeah. Well, that was intelligent. Um, so I'm really sorry we've come to the end of the programme. There well, we but we've still okay. got chocolate to eat. Yeah, we've still got chocolate and we've still got ice cream. Um, and um, thank you so much for bringing those. That's very kind of you. Um, so, uh, final word. Do you, you know, do you think that the public understand now that they've got to pay more for this if you're going to get that certification? Just going to go quickly around the table. 
I think, I think are they, we winning that battle? I think we are slowly winning that battle, and I think what's clear is is that foodies are prepared to pay more. I think the the, the, the biggest fear I think for me is is that there are raising fuel, you know, food prices, you know, Brexit or no Brexit, you know, it, it's you know we're in a complicated environment where actually there is a pressure on the on the British purse, and so you've got to really make sure you are justifying that premium. So do you remember this was my New Year's resolution, trying to get the public to say why is that food so cheap as opposed to yes. why is that so expensive? Am I making me, it's not me, is it? But are, are we generally getting that across? I think we are. And definitely in um, in the kind of independent market, um, people shopping in delis and they're looking for that kind of traceability and the trust. And um, and I think gradually the general public are getting more of an understanding. Um, so I think, yeah, slowly we're winning that battle. Getting what you pay for. There Indeed. you go. Well, thank you so much to my guests, uh, Cecily Mills of Coconuts Naturally. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And also Ollie Shorts of Seed and Bean Chocolate. Thank, thank you. For having us. I've already seen that Ollie's the other Ollie here. I bet he's going to snaff on those and take them home for the kids. No, um, that's way too good for kids. Okay, fine. Uh, take him himself. You've been listening to the Food Talk Show, and as you know, we're on lots of different radio stations across the UK and further afield. And you can also download our weekly podcast from iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, Spotify, and the podcast app on your phone, as well as the wonderful Great British Chefs website, Ollie. Thank you to my fellow presenters, Ollie Lloyd and Holly Shackleton. If you want to recommend any future guests, someone doing something groundbreaking in the food sector, please get in touch with us via Twitter on at Food Talk Show. Or if you want to listen to any of our hundreds of podcasts, I think we're about 250 or 300 now, go to foodtalk.co.uk. Whatever's happening out there, please have a good week. Bye now.